In your face and on the case, the man of tomorrow is here. The Golden Stallion, Savzu, the Radar Radio Star, go down the list of all the names. We're ready to get into some Q&A action here. Uh, if you're wondering, where is this week's Sovereign Tech? Folks, like I said, kind of weird schedules come. Trying to normalize it more. I might have to do a switch to, uh, not a switch light. <laughs> that's coming. I might have to do a switch to like getting it out on, or, you know, to like a weekday, a normal weekday release instead of on a weekend, uh, just for varying reasons, you know, again, so much changing throughout 2019 and just getting, uh, you know, the, the new order in place. Ooh, that sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I got an email. Somebody asking me if I was a discordian speaking of order, uh, Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's so damn funny uh anyway so yeah uh you're probably going to get another double load uh coming in the next uh day or so i'm not sure if i'm going to get to recording the latest episode this week but certainly you always get the same amount of sovereign tech don't you worry about that a lot of fun stuff uh coming up and planned so including that event in october which we're going to see what the hell we can make happen with that uh speaking of of a couple things one is uh, the live streaming for Podbean is now, in fact, I think I talked about this in a recent episode, that I'm like, well, where the hell is it? It's now finally, no pun intended, live. Uh, live streaming is possible. This is a very weird thing. It looks like it has a lot of interesting features, like there's sound effects. You can play background music during the live uh, recording. Um, there's a way for people to call in. There can only be five people maximum. Like now there's full details on what this looks like. Uh, there's also a virtual currency involved with live streaming on Podbean, And it doesn't look like it does. There's supposed to be some kind of webinar about it. I'm hoping that they'll let you watch the webinar after, but as it stands right now, it doesn't look like it can actually be something that is only for subscribers or, you know, you know, people or, uh, uh patrons which even though it's not Patreon, Podbean uses the same lingo. Uh, it's a, it says subscribers as well, but this is now possible. And I kind of want to do a test. The thing is, is it gives you notifications when I'm doing it. And I don't think there's any way to turn it off. So like, I'm just going to have to do an experimental episode and you're just going to have to deal with the fact that it's going to be experimental and who knows what the fuck's going to happen with it. You know? <laughs> so my usual level of, uh, of shall we say production and professionalism that I like to bring, uh, to anything related to sovereign tech or Zomia one, uh, won't be there for this first go round. So it'll be interesting. We'll see how it works. Uh, you can set up co-hosts again. You can only do like five people at a time, but I think you can have a chat as well with it. Um, the, what I saw seemed to heavily lean on that. You need to use Chrome for it to work. I mean, obviously I think it just means a Chrome based browser. So, you know, you could use something else like opera or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, we're, we're going to give it a shot. We'll see how it works. Um, I do know that it doesn't have to post immediately to like the feed and that I could, you know, I can download it. I can download the audio after the fact, and it is just audio. I don't think it does video. Uh, again, there's not a lot of detail. There's a, there are a lot more details now in the functionalities there, but until I really give it a shot until I hit record, you know, I, I, we'll see, we'll see how, how this works. Um, but very intrigued, 
uh, to, to give it a shot. And again, I do, I will do one this month in September. Um, when I have a date for that, I will let you know what that will be. Um, but I am going to do one and it might not just, it might be available to anybody who's subscribed on Podbean, quite frankly. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how, how that works out. And, and again, with the, no- I would do a test show if it didn't put out like a notification, but if it's going to put out a notification to you, I might as well just, you know, fuck do it live. Right. Like, uh, what's his name there? Bill, whatever said Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a second to think of his name. I'm so proud of that. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm getting well enough detached from things where I, I am forgetting a lot of pop culture references. And, and, you know, I actually, I think that's a damn good thing, but <laughs> you know, speaking of, of notifications, uh, so funny. So I wear, of course, based on recent, um, uh, episodes of sovereign tech, I don't, I don't know if this is, you know, you might be like, Whoa, what are you doing? Wearing a, you know, wearing a smart band or whatever, if you want to call these things, smart bands. I don't really want to call it a fitness band because I don't use it for fitness. I turn off. I have a Mi Band 4. Of course, I did a review for it uh, recently on, on a QA. and um, I turn off every feature on these things except for the, uh, I, you know, I leave the uh, alarm functionality because that can be handy because it's a good silent alarm, and but it definitely wakes you up. Uh, I turn off or I, I turn off everything except for the alarm feature and the notifications. And I like to have the music uh, uh, control you know, which was the main thing that, that got me interested in the Mi Band 4 in the first place. Um, you know, otherwise, everything's off on this thing, okay? And I did have for a little while where I had notifications on for when I get a new, for the Podbean app, because you can choose which app you get notifications for. And I did turn on notifications for the Podbean app, but I'll tell you, it, it got me sweating because... <laughs> When you, you first get a notification, you know, your wrist buzzes, right? And you look at it like a dog, you know, like a Pavlovian response or something. <laughs> but I go to look at it. And so, you know, like in the Podbean app, I don't think you can, you can control. I could be wrong about this, but I don't think you can control what, uh, like, like what pod, you know, what the podcasts that you follow, which ones actually alert you to, you know, to new episodes. And so I have like Ted talks daily and a few other ones feel like science podcasts and things like this that I have on there. And when I get a notification for some of these things, I mean, and, and understand like with the Ted talks specifically, obviously a lot of Ted talks are about some of the most serious shit on the planet, whether you believe they're real or not, AKA climate change, blah, blah, blah. Okay. All these different things. And so I would get these notifications and it would look even though you have a full color screen on the, on the Mi Band 4s compared to previous Mi Bands, you still don't right away. It's just showing you white text and you don't really know where it comes from. And like some apps will give you a nice, like if it's Telegram, you'll see the Telegram uh, symbol and you instantly know that, okay, I'm getting something from Telegram. However, not every app works that well, or, you know, for whatever reason, you know, doesn't show that little icon. And so it'll just say like app and it'll have a little orange thing. Podbean is one of those apps and I'll get this message and it'll say like die from depression and dying from <laughs> like, it'll be the most serious shit I could possibly ever read, you know, in on a quick, you know, at a, at a quick blush or, you know, and I see that and, and like, uh, just instantly I'd start stressing out 
And so I turned off the Podbean app from sending me notifications because I would read these things and I go, oh, holy fuck, what's going on? You know, I'd be so, because the, again, the only reason I really wear this thing. Now it's nice when I go to the gym and I want to be able to control my music without pulling my phone out. You know, that's handy because it can do that. Even though I wish my headphones could just switch to the next track, but whatever, I get it. Um, it's that, and just to get those certain notifications that I want from very specific apps. That's the only reason that I wear this thing. It has nothing to do with the tracking, whatever. Again, I turn all of that off. I have no interest in it. I experiment with it, you know, when I got it new, but otherwise I just, boom, gone. Turn it all off. Um, so anyway, <laughs> it's just, that's the weirdest damn thing. Just a little funny story there for you. Uh, but... Let's move on into our episode. In fact, this is an episode where I have gotten a collection of, well, part of it is based on a poll that I did with uh, listeners on Twitter. The other part is one that I did, or that that is, I've gotten a lot of questions about, which has to do with the Bitcoin space. In fact, somebody sent me a great comment. They DM'd me on Twitter about it. Uh, about Bitcoin that I'm going to get into in an upcoming episode of Sovereign Tech. And I mean, I'm really going to get come up to it because it's the idea was brilliant. And I think a lot of people have come to this independently. And it's certainly something that I've been pointing at for some time um, on Sovereign Tech. And actually this Q&A, part of the conversation we're going to have in this Q&A plays nicely into that future conversation uh, that, that, we're going, that we're going to have. Maybe I'll read the, the DM here, but then I'm going to do a full covering of it in a This Week in Blockchain segment on Sovereign Tech proper. But we'll get into that more later. Um, something I want to talk about, and actually, so last week's Q&A, uh, in fact, got a lot of great response from that. And I, a lot of people have actually said that I should release that in the open. Um, I... I think I will do that. I'll put that out there as kind of a, a, a way to entice uh, others to, you know, perhaps become patrons themselves, um, just so they can get a taste of, of what the Q&As can, can feel like. Though I did open up that one with talking about other podcasts, you know, while we've been talking about podcasts at the beginning of this whole episode, um, other podcasts that I've listened to. Now, I do want to bring to bring to mind um, there was a recent, it's not the most recent, but the previous episode of, uh, my favorite podcast that I make sure I listen to every single time, that being, uh, Security Now. And in Security Now is episode 731, uh, came out on September 9th, 2019. It was titled Deep Fakes. They had a very big conversation. Now, I've, I have gotten emails about talking about, you know, to talk about deepfakes. Here's the thing. There's a couple points I want to bring up with this. And I do recommend if you have, if you do not regularly listen to Security Now, this is an episode um, where you do want to listen to it. I also recommend, actually, recently there was episode 729, which I've re referenced, where they talk about the ad industry and the problem with privacy around that. Uh, that's also a must listen in my opinion. I put a link in the uh, show notes for this episode though, for episode 731 of Deepfake. So I was actually going to talk about it last week because I did get a lot of people emailing into the show saying, Hey, you know, you've never talked about the whole deepfake issue. Uh, you know, what's, what are your thoughts on this? Now I'm not going to give them here. And there's a reason why, because it's the same reason 
that I haven't talked about deep fakes on Sovereign Tech proper. Now, Steve Gibson is an absolute authority in the tech world in general and in the security area uh, specifically. And I think that he absolutely has every right to discuss and he's worth listening to on the subject, okay, of deep fakes. And in fact, in the past few days, he has, so, well, all right, real quick, if you don't know what deep fakes are, deep fakes is basically where a, um, in particular, I mean, a deep fake can, doesn't just have to be video, uh, really a deep fake could, I, I guess, technically also be like, you know, we have a term, which means it's uh, a term that is called, that is Photoshopped, right? Which means even if you're not really using Photoshop, but that it's an edited image to make it look like something else or perhaps someone else, uh, you know, something being Photoshopped, maybe the most popular and relevant to what we're talking about here. Uh, example would be in the nineties, even before people were logging on to, uh, the literal, you know, internet, the World Wide web, um, when you'd go on to bulletin boards, right? BBSs, okay? And you'd log into those on your computer. Um, a very popular thing was what were called celebrity nudes. Now, here's the thing. At the time, you know, you couldn't have a fappening situation where everybody's iCloud account gets, including celebrities, uh, you know, gets cracked into. And you lit, you get very real, uh, you know, uncensored photos of celebrities, you know, in the nude or doing whatever they're doing. At the time you had where people would take, I don't know, images of some playboy bunny or model, whatever you want to call them. And they would overlay a picture of a celebrity onto it. Now, a lot, some of these were very good. And of course at the bit, you know, the, the, <laughs> the pixel rate at the time the, that, that you could get, uh, you know, a lot was very forgiving because, you know, images weren't at the same, uh, you know, crazy level of pixelation that there are, you know, pixel rates that they are now, um, or resolution, I should say. So you could get away with a lot, but most of the time you could still tell when something was quote unquote Photoshopped, right. And it was a fake. Uh, but sometimes you couldn't as well, but, and, and I remember my friends and I, you know, we would, I'd log into a BBS and I would download some of these images onto my hard drive and my friends and I would look at it. It's like, Oh, do you think this one's real of, of, you know, whoever? And yeah, I mean, we would have those debates. It was kind of funny <laughs> and, and strangely pathetic, but we're, we're just teenagers anyway, <laughs> barely. Uh, so, <laughs> um, Anyway, deep fakes, I guess now can mean also audio work where, and in fact, speaking of Photoshop, uh, Adobe, of course, and we did talk about this, where Adobe uh, has developed a technology that a person can talk into it or talk into the software for a few seconds. And within that time, that software would then be able to produce just about any text you typed into it and have it come out as that person's voice that it just analyzed for a few seconds. Okay. And I think there's a very famous video where I think they're using the, I don't know, they used Obama's voice or something like that. you know, president Obama at the time, um, and had him spiel out stuff. And, and it was, it was really, really crazy. Okay. And now this is happening with video and perhaps it's most popular application is similar to the one that I mentioned when I was logging on to BBSs and getting celebrity nudes is people are taking porn videos and overlaying a celebrity face 
onto the porn video. Or also there are recent cases where like people are putting in Nicolas Cage's face into every movie that they can imagine. And it's fucking stupid. (laughs) I mean, it's really fucking stupid, but whatever. Okay. Uh, I mean, a, a famous, I think one of the more popular cases that has been done where people have taken Daisy Ridley's face, you know, who plays Ray in Star Wars, uh, and putting her onto some porn star and you, you know, you're seeing Daisy Ridley get stooped, you know, a million ways a Sunday. And so Steve Gibson had a conversation around this and such a big conversation around it that, and uh, well, I was surprised because while Steve Gibson, you know, does tweet and usually he's just tweeting about some tech thing or like he's been tweeting recently about uh, his, uh, you know, synced storage solution uh, or which one he's going with, whatever. Um, he will tweet out his episodes, which I retweet all the time because I think everybody should be listening to security now. It's one of the most important pieces of content produced in the world. Um, he did a rare tweet where he actually responded or retweeted with a response to something that Mark Cuban had said about, um, you know, really about deep fakes. Okay. And it was, I mean, but that's how serious this is. And the conversation had in episode 731 of security. Now, I think is a very important conversation to list, to listen to. And basically Steve Gibson's conclusion in this is that because of deep fakes, we're, and because they are becoming so easy to produce, like there's literally Android apps that, and these are things that I've gotten emailed about over just in the past year, even to say nothing of, you know, over the many years, um, you cannot believe unless someone is right in front of you, like you are in meat space with this person. You really can't believe anything you're seeing or hearing, you know, because the deep, a deep fake phone call. Let's say a deep fake phone call could occur. Okay. Uh, I mean, admittedly, I'm kind of reminded of, um, and, I, and I'll tell you why I haven't talked about this in, in a second, but I'm kind of reminded of uh, season two of Star Trek Discovery, even though as, as much as a shit show as that season ended up becoming, um, this concept of the problem of deep fakes became very real in that show when you had that Vulcan admiral, right? who was actually a projection from section 31 or from control who was in control of section 31. And everybody thought they were getting orders from this, this Vulcan, uh, uh, Admiral Starfleet Admiral, when actually it was a effectively a deep fake, right? I mean, or after a fashion, um, and, and that kind of highlights, they didn't spend enough time on that. They could have, you know, real Star Trek would have taken the time with that and said, Whoa, we've got a real problem here. How can we trust what we're seeing on this screen? And there's a big conversation to have around that. Okay. But the point that Steve Gibson brought up is one that I have been saying for quite some time. And I'm not saying Steve Gibson didn't already think about it years ago either. I'm sure he did. Just now there's enough evidence to really bring it to bear. The point is that, no, I don't think, and I've said this many times on Sovereign Tech, and I wouldn't even be talking about deep fakes so much. I don't like any audio video, whatever that you watch. Okay. Or that you hear or see on the internet. It is very, very difficult to know for certain. Like if it was something important, like, I I, I don't know if somebody said, 
oh, even even with 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 somebody who you totally believe that that they would do the craziest, stupidest shit, like the big orange in Washington. Okay, like if that idiot, uh, sorry, no, I'm not. If that asshat, I don't know, if 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 you saw a video of him saying and doing something, just picture the most ridiculous thing. I would, you know, before you reacted. I, I would like wait a couple hours and find out, wait a minute, was that real? I mean, unless you, we are, we really are getting to the point. If not, we're already at the point. And this is very reminiscent of uh, the movie, the running man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Where they make it seem like his character is dead and that, uh, you know, Jesse Ventura's character beat the shit out of him, but actually it was all computer simulation just to try and make people think, oh, this guy isn't winning or whatever, you know, or that he escaped. Um, I mean, that, that that's now. Okay. And you really cannot believe, you know, be very, very careful that th- this is why I'm saying like, why I don't want sovereign tech to really be a current event show because we need to sit on shit and find out the reality of the situation. Okay, because people could just kind of make up anything. Even if you think you're watching a video and this is absolutely real and it's live and it's happening. No, we don't know that. You know, and, and there's a big conversation to have around this. But but the reason that I haven't had the conversation yet is really where this has been, again, mainly applied, has been in the porn industry. And it's mainly affected women. And before I say whether or not deep fakes in the abstract are an ethical thing, I think a woman needs to come out and say whether or not that's true. Or, you know, or for, at least for her. I mean, not one woman can speak for all women, of course. Okay, but I, I really wanted to hear from a woman her perspective on this. And so in the future, maybe I'll have Ellen on, you know, we'll, we'll see, whatever. I, that's, I want to have that conversation and I want to hear from women on the matter. Okay. Because the last thing that, I mean, Steve Gibson, again, absolute authority in the space and what he has to say matters. Okay. Uh, because he has an informed opinion. You know, I, I, I always, I, I quote my old hero, Harlan Ellison, dearly missed. Um, you know, you're, <laughs> you're not, he, he would always say, you're not entitled to your opinion. You are entitled to your informed opinion. And that's it. I want informed opinions. And, you know, having the experience of being somebody who is just like constantly uh, lusted over, sexually lusted over, which, you know, many women are, okay, like all the time, whether they want it or not, um, you know, it comes with an experience and gives them really, you know, gives them a position, an informed opinion to come to with this whole thing. Is it, you know, was all this inevitable? Sure. I, I, I think it absolutely was. Um, in fact, Star Trek has dealt with this in Deep Space Nine. Uh, there was an episode where Quark was constantly trying to get a holographic scan of Major Kira. I, I've already kind of laid out some answers on this in the overall on Sovereign Tech, but it is a conversation that we're going to have. And I guess I'm, ba- I mean, I know I'm not giving you a, like a real response, but I'm telling you that. A, this is the reason why I've yet to talk about it, even though there have been plenty of stories to do so. I will talk about it, letting you know that. I want to hear from other people. My opinion, I mean, even I don't even think my opinion on the matter really matters. However, the abstract point 
of that where the democratization of technology, where it has gotten us to the point where Steve Gibson is even saying what I have been saying, which isn't necessarily related to deepfakes, is that you cannot believe a single fucking thing you read on, read, see, or hear on the internet, on TV, or even in a phone call to your phone. That you better verify the fuck out of that. That is the reality that we live in now. And that is, that is a very, very important point to drive home and to walk away with. If there's nothing else you get out of this Q&A episode, the idea that you need to verify everything that you see online or on TV, okay? And where's the difference there even really? Because it's all coax, right? It's all coaxial cable, <laughs> generally. You better get start mentally preparing yourself for that world, okay? I mean, and again, we've already been there. You know, like when you and we've talked about this, and I've brought this up where this has come up. It isn't with deep fakes, but where we've had the conversation around the expose and this was two, three years ago, maybe the expose in the entertainment industry, not about, you know, using pro tools to make somebody who can't sing sound like they can actually sing. No, no. How in movies, there are literal CGI overlays over pretty much every actor in any, you know, tentpole film. You know, when you go and see, like if you saw the latest Avengers movie and you're like, wow, Robert Downey Jr. still looks fantastic. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he looks like hell. You just don't know because he has a CGI overlay covering up half of his wrinkles. And the movie industry wanted this to happen because ever since, you know, things have gotten to 1080p and whatever, suddenly all the cracks in the face are showing. You know, you couldn't believe what you saw on TV and in theaters in the first place because all like like none of them look that good. Everything is airbrushed through whatever technology and software they have available. And now it's just getting democratized and it's to the point that you can have what are now deep fakes, right? None of it is real. Nothing, no picture. You can't believe photos, videos, audio, all that crap. You can't. Okay? And and you, you need to walk away with that. And now you might be saying, well, you're saying this, Stallion, but then what's the solution? The solution's the same fucking solution that I've been saying for years on my show on sovereign tech we have to the internet is it's an intermediary in fact maybe that'd be a great term for it it is merely a way for at this time and it might even be piss poor at that it is an intermediary to where we find others like us we fill out our dunbar number and then we finally actually get together in meat space and we be together in our little communities. Okay. Our little, uh, our little Taz's, our little, you know, intentional communities, whatever you want to come up with. That's the only real solution. Okay. Because these technological solutions to trust, while there's certainly ones to be said within, you know, the blockchain space and solving the Byzantine generals problem and all, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And, and, and all of that, um, trust is going, real trust is going to require people to be together. 
okay, in little small communities and actually getting together. Like, I mean, I've said this the whole time. Uh, how do we verify that I'm actually talking to, say, on Signal or, uh, you know, via PGP email, whatever, to the person that I think I'm talking to? Well, you're going to have what we used to have in the old days in the cypherpunk community. You're going to have key parties where everybody is in meet space in one spot and you each share you share each other's keys right in front of each other that's how you fucking verify and we have to get back to that we're coming full circle you know it's funny i was talking to because we had that episode the mistake that doesn't mean we don't use it for now we do okay but we got to start getting mentally prepared for the world past us we we, we had there was the episode recent episode of sovereign tech called the mistake where we were talking about the internet. It was funny. I, I was talking to uh, to Rob, and I mean, I, I keep things private, but I'll, I'll share my, my side of the conversation, uh, which I just very quickly said, as, you know, I was talking to him, and I said, uh, I was like, you know, I, I came to this conclusion, Rob. I said that I think the reason, you know, everybody talks about how science fiction, because also recently we've been talking about what I call the science fiction method or the sci-fi method, which is using science fiction as a, a tool Okay, a mental tool to understand your ever-changing world. And that's exactly what it is. It is not just fiction. Okay, and I think putting the word method at the end helps eliminate the this notion that it's just fiction. Science fiction is, has always been more. It has always been more, and rather uniquely so, I think, as far as genres go. Doesn't mean that that's what it always is. Sci-fi is not always, you know, this brilliant... Uh, a conversation or exposition on life as we know it today, but it often is, and it's often pointing at a direction where humanity can go because if you know, you can dream it. Well, anyway, I was saying to him, I was like, you know, people have, and, and I've, you know, agreed because some of my, frankly, some of my heroes within sci-fi, you know, have, have bolstered this Asimov, Ellison, and so on. You know, you've, you've, you have people who think that science fiction is very predictive and it, it, you know, it calls a lot of shots. It gets a lot of things right decades before they actually come to fruition. Now, I've been on both sides of this where I said, oh, yeah, no, science fiction does that. But then you have like, you know, Ellison and Asimov and others who say, no, science fiction is actually terrible at predicting things. Um, I am more at this stage. I am more where, no, actually, science fiction is really great. At predicting things, especially after like Ellen introduced me to uh, Olaf Stapledon, and reading Stapledon, uh, I mean, first off, like now he has written my favorite book ever, <laughs> and he's just he's tremendous. But he was very predictive. He, I mean, he predicted smartphones in the 30s. Yes, he did, and I talked about that when I did my review uh, of Star Maker, which you can find in the you know, in the archives, in the back catalog, if you are a patron um, of Zomia One slash Sovereign Tech. Um, but it's funny, you know, because the easy example that people started coming up with of the naysayers saying that science fiction is not very good at predicting the future, the easy one that they would always point at was the internet. They'd say, well, science fiction never predicted that the internet would be a thing. Okay. And they'd say like, yeah, and I mean, and look, you know, 2001, they, you know, in the book 2001 or in the movie 2001, uh, Arthur C. Clarke thought that long distance would still be a thing in the future. And that was wrong and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the internet's an easy one that people bring up. It's like, no, that was, that was never predicted. 
here's the rub. Here's and here's what I said to Rob is like, you know, I'm getting to the point that I think the reason science fiction authors, especially from the golden age, never predicted the internet, it's because they could never imagine we'd come up with something so stupid. You know, like like, like they just they they think no, we, we would never do that because that that would create so many problems if we came up with something like that. And so I mean, I was saying that somewhat in jest, but then at the same time, it's like. Eh. Right. Because, I mean, that's what a lot of great science fiction authors were doing. We're coming up with problems. And then, you know, through whatever technology or ethical uh, situation that they created, they come up with the solution. OK, so I, I think that they they'd look at the Internet and they go, well, there's no so, if, like I, I want to like describe the Internet to some of these people. And they would probably look at it. You know, these authors would look at it like Ave and vote and a bunch of these other ones. And they'd be like, who the hell would who would do that? You know, like, no, this, there's so many problems that are going to come out of this, you know, and, and they just, they would never, they would think it would never end up, you know, being come up with. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, and this is, you know, the internet is what you end up with when you bastardize something designed to survive a nuclear war, right? <laughs> or nuclear fallout. And I mean, right away, its inception is inherently flawed and comes from an inherently flawed or at the very least skewed and fucked up, which flawed works for those, uh, version of humanity, right? One that would drop nukes on itself. So anyway, <laughs> and here I am saying this and how are you listening to it? Over the internet. I know, please, you don't, I am the last person on planet earth that you ever have to explain the irony to. Again, this is all getting to, and it's something I've realized more and more. I'm not going to get into this big conversation right now. I really have stuff that I do want to talk about with you. Okay. But it's something I am realizing more and more that like, once you actually, especially when you get the right people in your life, especially physically, your life changes and the things that you think matter and the arguments that you were having online and all the horse shit that you're doing there and blah, blah, blah. A lot of the stuff fades away. I'm going to save this for the future, but when I, and I know I kind of hinted at it in a recent episode, when you are truly happy, when you are truly happy, the way that the world works in your mind, it stops working that way. And I think that the powers that be, they, them, those, whoever, you know, the, the masters of the economy and whatever else. I think they know this. And the bulk of our society, of civilization, from, I mean, as simple as the way, that, and we've talked about this in previous Q&As, from the way that cities are designed, the way the economy is set up, the way our entertainment works, the way that information is disseminated, religions, everything, all of it, is specifically designed to keep you from being truly happy. Because if you're actually really deeply, intrinsically happy and your dreams have come true, you might not need the system anymore. And that's a problem for them. But I, there's a big conversation to have around that. That's not even the entirety of the conclusion. If you think I just laid it all out for you, no, no, no. You know the Golden Stallion doesn't make it that easy. You come here to think. So, 
Anyway, deep fakes. It's a problem. Don't believe everything you see. You better verify the shit out of fucking everything. There you go. So, all right. Uh, speaking of verifying, <laughs> let's get into, we got a couple of, all right. So, uh, where do I start? Well, I got a lot of questions about this. I got a, a lot of people asking me about Zcash right now because the value has been dipping, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there have been some interesting analysis, uh, analyses uh, online about the about the whole situation. And that includes that, oh, you, you know, Zcash has been slowly dipping by percentage in comparison to, uh, to Bitcoin for quite some time. And I had a lot of people email me about this because I have been historically very supportive of Zcash. I am not going to shy away from that fact. I have been, okay? Um, I've been supportive. Uh, I mean, understand that my support comes from my desire for a more private and anonymous, even though I know they don't even, Zcash doesn't like to use the word anonymous because they have certain legal meanings. <sighs> um yeah, I've been wanting that in the cryptos, in the cryptocurrency space for some time. Now, I know there's stuff being developed and attached with Lightning Network and blah, 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 that, that can make Bitcoin that level of anonymous and private and et cetera. And great. And you know how supportive I am of Bitcoin and Lightning Network. There's a reason why there is a lightning symbol at the end of my handle or at the end of my name on Twitter is because I am supportive of Bitcoin. Okay. And that Bitcoin, not Bcash. So basically a lot of the questions were, Hey, are you finally going to become a Bitcoin maximalist now that it looks like Zcash is falling apart? Um, look, here, here's the thing. Okay. I've been fairly supportive of altcoins uh, pretty much as long as they've been a thing. I am, to put it simply, in am I going to stop supporting Zcash because it's quote-unquote falling apart and all this? Okay, look, I, am, I, I think ZK Snarks is still an absolutely, again, that is a scientific breakthrough in cryptography. I've said that in the past many times on my show. I still stand by that. It is absolutely true. Okay. Um, I really do understand that, you know, speaking of incentives of why things get created, the incentives around a lot of altcoins is talk about inherently flawed. Yeah, they're fucking flawed. I'm not, not, do I think that's true for all of them? No, but for a lot of them, sure. Okay. I am as supportive as, as I am of Bitcoin. And I, I don't know how I can prove that more. Again, you are talking about a guy who works out every day. I mean, wearing Bitcoin shirts. I have Bitcoin hat on. I mean, I am, I'm spreading the gospel of Bitcoin, as it were, as much as I can. Okay. I am so fucking supportive. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely, believe it or not, I'm excited for when uh, Trezor, they're going to have like their Bitcoin only firmware that they're going to allow you to put onto a Trezor. I think that's great. Yep. Thumbs up. Okay. Here's, here is where my, here's where my problem still lies with all this. Okay. Because I, I think there's some of you that want me to become Bitcoin maximalists. I mean, look folks understand that. Yeah. I mean, 90%, especially now, 90% of my support, 99% of my support stands as Bitcoin. Okay. So, I mean, you might as well fucking call me one anyway, because that's probably what I sound like. Regardless of that. Okay. 
Um, I am very concerned. I am always concerned about a monoculture in any situation. I am concerned about a monoculture. I hate, I hate, I mean, can, can you imagine, can you imagine if every, and I know there's a lot of people who are actually supportive of this and that's unbelievable. I mean, just picture this just in software terms. Imagine if everybody used windows. Can you imagine the shitstorm we'd be in right now with the windows 10 update fiasco that happens basically every month? Every time there's a cumulative update, a bunch of shit fucks up. It's so terrible. Can you imagine if we all, if the entire world just had to run windows? Holy shit. I mean, talk about being afraid of nukes. I mean, you know, what happens during nuclear fallout? That would cause the nuclear fallout, in my opinion. If the whole world ran on windows. No, I, I mean, I am so happy that people have another place to run to. All right. You know, and, th- and they can run to Linux and Linux is not in and of itself. It's not a monoculture, right? Like there's a lot of different flavors of how Linux works. Okay. I, I mean, I am really, I am terrified of a monoculture. Now I know that with lightning network, there's ways that we could probably, you know, build out where people could create regional currencies that could ultimately be backed by Bitcoin and all this. And so you could say, well, Bitcoin doesn't really have to be a monoculture. Yeah, but something about it. And and I can't fully articulate it, but I just want to get it out here. The idea of Bitcoin being the only thing out there, that's fine. If it's King for the next thousand years or into eternity, somehow, Okay. If that's, if that's the case, you have no idea how okay I am with that, how supportive I am of that, how great that is. Awesome. But the idea that there is only one currency in the whole world, fuck no, I am not supportive of that at all. So all coins by and large are bullshit. Like a lot of them are. I am not supportive of them. I am not supportive of any other iteration of Bitcoin. Let Bitcoin do its thing, baby. You know, and and I be I, you know, Bitcoin BTC proper have you know go for it, rock and roll, be the king for the rest of your life. You go Duke Nukem, you know, and 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 go. I'm totally, totally there, but fuck, I always want there to be. There's got to be an alternative. There's got to be alternatives. You know, and. I don't know exactly which one of those would necessarily be the best. It ain't Ethereum. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, just, I I just, again, I don't really have the alternative. I don't really have the, you know, what it should be. I mean, you could bring up Litecoin. People could talk about that, whatever. I don't know. Okay, I mean, and I've been supportive of Litecoin in the past. If anything, just to be a testbed for varying, you know, technological implementations into a blockchain before you toss them into Bitcoin proper, right? Even for those reasons, I mean, there's, there are so many reasons you don't want a monoculture for experimentation alone is a great one, but there's plenty, plenty more. So yeah, all these people wanting all the altcoins to die and for there to be Bitcoin and Bitcoin only guys, I, I can't, I can't go there. I'm with you on trashing most of the altcoins, but we got to, we can't have a monoculture. 
And in fact, it's funny because I think a lot of the same people that are Bitcoin maximalists were probably very supportive of what Firefox was, of what Mozilla was saying when they were raising the red flag about, hey, you know, with like Microsoft Edge and everybody else switching to the Blink uh, rendering engine and everybody going to Chromium, um, this is going to be bad. You don't you don't realize what you're getting here. And I think a lot of them would have been very supportive of what Mozilla was saying there and would be supportive and would actually use Firefox just because it's not Chromium. <laughs> you're killing me here. You know, I mean, again, we don't want a monoculture in anything. I don't want it to just be, I mean, even though Linux itself, it could be argued, isn't really a monoculture. I don't even want it to just be Linux. Like, I'm glad that OpenBSD exists. That's my favorite OS. That's not Linux. I mean, you, you don't want this. You don't want this anywhere in anything at any time. You pick the subject. You never, ever want a monoculture. So I get it. If that's, you know, are you looking, am I going to start ripping on Zcash? No, I'm not going to start ripping on Zcash. Okay. But then also I don't have to talk about it that much either. Okay. If you think that shit's hitting the fan with it, but understand that is, you know, I love Bitcoin, but I always want there to be alternatives. There has to be something. I'm not saying any alternatives out there right now are any good. I'm not saying necessarily that they're all bad either, but I'm also not saying that they're all good or that they're any good. But there's got to be alternatives, folks. We just, we have to have them. So that there's your answer. I had quite a few people, uh, actually, they all sent the same story into me um, about how Zcash was falling apart. And, you know, there it is. Now, I did say, actually, that I wanted to read, I was going to read that, that DM that I got on Twitter. Um and again, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to deep dive on this because I think it's an important thing to bring up. And I love, I love reading stuff and talking about stuff from listeners. I mean, it's just one of my favorite things to do. Seriously. Even, even if it's something that's critical, but here, let me read it. Brian, after listening to your last two episodes, I wanted to share a thought that I hope you will mention on your show at some point in the near future. Yes, I'm going to. While I agree with you that the wants of consumers and producers are fundamentally oppositional. In a data-driven world, I think that one day soon, many will realize we can use Bitcoin as the internet itself, thus allowing for both sides of the equation to benefit without the involuntary use of personal data, all while maintaining the incentivization necessary to drive innovation and growth. Every month I see more projects like cell phones, lightning network, and satellite slash radio systems which are attempting to use blockchain technology. While most of these chains, quote unquote, are bullshit, using Bitcoin itself as the network for data propagation should truly solve this issue in the long run. All we need to do is be patient and demand it. BTC is coming. Keep doing what you're doing and fuck the Sinister Six. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Anyway, um, I will read that on the show proper and I will do a deep dive. Now, look, this is something. So Zencash, who was a Sovereign Tech sponsor, and Rob Viglione, who is a guy that I, I, I really do like, um, I had him on the show and we were t we did an interview and I talked about it on there with him. like, I, And I said to him that what Zencash was trying to do, they basically could become an alternative Internet. And he said, yeah, he's like, we'd love for it to get to that point. I am totally supportive of Bitcoin filling in that role. Absolutely. Okay. Like, like this, this is something I want, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally, totally on board with, but then as I've been railing on for a very long time, we don't just want one internet. We want internets. 
multiple implementations. So I think Bitcoin can do this. Okay. And I'm supportive of that, but then also I really do want other players. So anyway, I'll deep dive more on this, but, uh, but, but, but great, great point to bring up and certainly something that, yes, I'm definitely pushing for demanding, wanting, and, and, and the abstract idea I have been wanting for, for quite some time. So, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to deep diving on that, uh, in an upcoming episode. So, okay. Uh, speaking of interacting, um, I did want to get into the poll that I took on Twitter actually, and, and got some interaction, you know, actually some funny things uh, about this. Okay. Because I want to talk about the interaction amount. Now I have a few, let's see, I have about, uh, 4,000, a little over or somewhere over 4,000 Twitter followers. Okay. I don't really care about the number and I don't really keep track of it that much. Um, you know, there's a guy, there's a YouTuber, who actually, I guess he's, he came out with the video. Boy, I could relate. He just came out of the video today as of me recording this. They had to, he titled it like YouTube burnout or something. How, you know, YouTube making his, Peter Willem is his name, I think. And he, he makes videos breaking down movies. In fact, I watched his series, quote unquote, on the Marvel movies. And boy, that was like, he did a breakdown of why he's not excited about the Marvel films. And it's amazing how he said literally like the, or, or how some of, so many of the conclusions were the same ones that I've had. And I mean like the really fine point ones too, including the fact that, okay, he's not like excited and he doesn't really care for most of the Marvel films anymore. He said, but somehow he really loved both guardians of the galaxy movies. And, and I'm the same way. Like, I mean, there's a lot of these little conclusions, uh, that really we, we, we share, uh, which was really cool. Now this guy is, I mean, again, he's now making his living off of his YouTube channel. He has a few hundred thousand subscribers. He did a Twitter poll. You know how many people he got to interact on his Twitter poll? Again, we're talking about a guy who has a few hundred thousand, uh, uh, subscribers, 150 people, 150 people. He got to interact on his Twitter poll. Now with my Twitter poll, I ended up with six interactions. So being fully, you know, I'm telling you this, because <laughs> now I know in journalism, you need a sample size of at least it's 1500 to be respectable, right? If you do surveys, it's 3000, like for something like someone like Harvard to take you seriously. Okay. That's the amount of interaction that you need. I just, I think it's funny because <laughs> I don't know. It's, some of these numbers just have to be so fucking inflated, but like you can have a few hundred thousand followers and you can only get 150 of them to, you know, click up to interact or like click a button. I mean, I, I just, I, I find that amazing. And I think there's a lot to extrapolate from that, but whatever. Okay. So I'm not complaining that only six of you or six listeners, you know, interacted. I, I'm not complaining about that at all. Um, I'm honored, like seriously, but I'm just saying that perspective. Okay. Even if I had a few hundred thousand followers, I mean, like percentage wise, I, I'd say I almost got the same amount of interaction, you know, because I only have 4,000 as compared to a few hundred thousand under 56, I guess that makes sense. So anyway, this is, uh, all I asked was, which do you use most telegram or signal? The results 
out of six people. <laughs> was, uh, Telegram was 17%. Signal was 83%. Okay. Now I did actually get some DMS around this and some people messaged me saying, could you please just get back on Instagram? And I think one of them might've been in jest. The others I think were actually very serious. Uh, uh, <laughs> I look folks, I've done this before where, okay. I got a ton of pressure to create a Facebook group. I finally did. You know how many people went into it? 140 something, 150, maybe max went into that and the interaction was fairly low. And I, and I got more, I, the, the sad part is, is that I had way more people than that quote unquote demand a Facebook group. But then when I made it, they weren't interested. I, I, I don't know, whatever. I, so, you know, then when I get a bunch of people asking me, Hey, could you get back on Instagram? Uh, hey. Anyway. So, um, yeah. So here's the question, you know, which do you use most telegram or signal very clear with this small sample size granted, I'll be in a very intelligent one signal was the clear winner here. Now I've been using telegram a lot more lately for varying reasons. One of them being that, well, telegram has a very broad feature set that they are actually putting out there more and more. And I think that telegram itself could, you know, kind of like what we were talking about with that, that person who DM me about Bitcoin saying Bitcoin could become the internet itself. Telegram really has that capability as well and could be a competitor, especially if, as we've talked about in recent sovereign tech episodes, there, you know, Telegram might end up releasing its actual uh, cryptocurrency, its own cryptocurrency that that might end up coming out uh, to take on the Libra uh, specifically. And if Telegram were an alternative or one of those alternatives to Bitcoin, I'm actually pretty supportive of that because I think Telegram has a pretty good track record. I mean, you can bring up the concerns around their encryption and maybe a couple other things, but they have a pretty good track record of being on the right side of the battle of ethics that is going on the ideal. Let's just say the ideological battles going on in the world today. So, you know, I'm, I'm not unsupportive of that happening, but that's also why for, and along with grouping features and some other things, why I've been using telegram quite a bit. Um, I am impressed by the fact that signal so soundly routed, even in such a small sample size, uh, the use of telegram, especially since just about anybody that I talk to in the cryptocurrency space is adamant about the fact that, oh no, no, especially when talking crypto, they are, they're almost, they're 99% of the time on, you know, using telegram. Like it is just, it is the platform du jour for the cryptocurrency space. That's, that's the reality. And then everybody's always talking on that. I mean, just nonstop. Uh, so I, I mean, I was surprised, but I don't know. I mean, granted, which do you use, use the most is a very broad question to ask. Um, I was expecting telegram to win this one out, but signal did now. I'm not displeased about that. I still stand by, you know, speaking, we were talking earlier about, you know, conclusions, heavy conclusions that Steve Gibson as one of the top minds in the tech world, uh, you know, came to where he's, you know, where he said in a recent episode that smartphones, the idea that we have end-to-end encryption on smartphones is an illusion. 
Like, it's just not real. It's just not true. Now, again, I don't think that that means we should give up on using the best encryption that we have available to us on smartphones, which would be Signal, by the way. But that's something to keep in mind, and I think that might cause some people to say, well, fuck, I'll just use Telegram. I'm not... I'm not... I I get that pragmatic kind of thinking, and I'm not saying that that's... like, that someone's wrong for thinking that. Okay? But I don't think we should give up on developing great encryption for smartphones. I don't think that we should give up on using great encryption on smartphones just because security on these platforms is an illusion. Yes, the ultimate answer is if you want actual end-to-end encryption and actual security and privacy in your conversations, you're not going to use a smartphone. You're certainly not going to use Android and iOS anyway. That's just not going to happen. And I would argue that, in fact, we're going to get into this too in an upcoming episode, uh, SimJacker. SimJacker was a terrifying, is, is a terrifying situation. Um, and But that's that's nothing new for me or for Sovereign Tech, because I've been saying for years, in fact, it's the whole part, it was my initial uh, uh, conclusion for the Dark Android project is that don't use anything that has a a baseband processor, you know, a baseband firmware. Because that's just wide open. There's no security around that. And so that's why I was recommending, originally with the Dark Android project, you use a tablet. And not a tablet that has, uh, you know, like 4G capability either. Use one that has Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi only. Now, there's an opposite concern with Wi-Fi is that Wi-Fi is such a closed down uh, uh, software stack or firmware stack that, you know, that runs into its own issues. But it sure is fuck better than than the wide open situation um, that you have with, you know, really with, with baseband. So, anyway, th- this intrigued me. This conclusion intrigued me, intrigued me quite a bit. Um, yeah, Signals still still gets top marks in my books. Uh, I think using a combination of both is a fine and dandy thing. There's no reason really not to use both. Um, but I appreciate everybody that you know that 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 took part uh, in this, and I still talk with quite a few people um, on Signal anyway. Like I said, you really can end up using both. But I thought that this was interesting for that to come out. I am expecting. And I was really hoping it would have already happened. But with that influx of cash and the creation of the Signal Foundation that occurred, was that over a year ago now? Remember when the guy from WhatsApp left Facebook and then he, he gave a shit ton of money to uh, to Signal? I've been waiting for them to really come out with like some amazing new features, right down to like a, maybe a full-on office suite or something. Or, you know, I mean, I would love for Open Whisper Systems or the Signal Foundation, if they want to become another player in the smartphone space, I think if they came out and said, we are going to create a smartphone that is entirely based around the Signal protocol and Signal software, oh, I think that would be very interesting because they have enough name cachet where I think they they could pull it off. Because I know like, you know, Librem or Purism is trying to do that with Librem 5 and everything. I think Open Whisper Systems is the company that could actually do it. And I'll tell you, like if Moxie Marlinspike, anarchist, which he is, if he came out and, you know, and said, all right, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be rolling out our own smartphone. We're going to have our entirely our own operating system and all this stuff. Um, I'd be there. I would be there for that. I mean, 
and and, and again, I think that would be a very very strong player uh, in the space. And like maybe if they if they signed up with, um, you know, like the OSM and uh, you know like GPS project and all this, oh this this could go places. They're the ones that have to do it. Like I I really feel that, and I've been like. <laughs> It's, and this is part of why I asked the question is because Telegram is coming out with so many things, some of which I agree with, some of which I, you know, are not the biggest fan of. But I mean, like, you know, they have the pa- the Telegram passport system that they're setting up. They have, uh, again, their own virtual, you know, their own cryptocurrency. Uh, I mean, there's just feature after feature and Signal feels like it's being left behind, you know, in feature set. Now, there's something to be said for Signal just doing one thing and doing it really fucking great. But... I wouldn't mind if we could get that great encryption and have it become maybe an entire platform on its own, you know, basically have the signal version of tails and have it be on a smartphone. Do something about that baseband for, ah, yeah, well, anyway, th- there's smarter people there, or should I say more interested people there than I, that, uh, that are working on, maybe they're working on something like that. I don't know, but I, I really hope something big happens out of, uh, the signal foundation. Otherwise, I don't know if this poll in another year is going to end up, uh, you know, with the same results, which maybe I'll do it again in another year. But regardless, thank you for everybody that participated and for the people that also DM me about the matter. Uh, most of the DMs did ultimately in the end say, yeah, we use signal too. So signal still won out even with what you couldn't see, uh, and there was it was a pretty it was actually more people than 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 answered the poll. Uh, there were more people than you could see who were still supportive of a signal that just blew away Telegram. So there you have it. If you if you want to look at you know what are sovereign tech listeners into, I guess that's it. Um, okay, now let's uh, let's wrap this baby up and give you an album of the week. So this album this is very interesting. In fact, I'm going to give you a little something extra here. Uh, so it's Sasha Paith. I think that maybe that's how you say his name, Sasha Paith. Sasha Paith's Masters of Ceremony. So that's the band name, Sasha Paith's Masters of Ceremony. The name of the album is Signs of Wings. This is a power metal album, and I think it's a it's a solid one, okay? There's nothing here that like really stands out huge, but it's it's a really definitely something you could take to the gym and really rock out. Uh Again, very solid. Some of it hits some very, very technical shredding guitar highs because Sasha Paith, so for those that don't know who he is, you might not have heard his name, but if you listen to any power metal at all, I guarantee you, you've heard Sasha Paith's either his actual guitars, his guitar playing, or you've heard his production work in the background or his mastering work. And he is a master of mastering. Uh, that's why I think it's kind of ironic that he calls it Masters of Ceremony, because he's well known for his mastering. He has worked with Aventasia. Uh, he's worked with Camelot. He's worked with all, I mean, just so many fucking bands. And now he's finally coming out basically with his own band on, on, a, on through the label uh, Frontiers out of Italy. And he got a gal, she's the lead singer for Seven Spires out of Boston, like America, which I, I thought, because he's, I think he's German. I think Sasha Pate's German. Uh, he's brilliant. And in fact, you know, I got it. So this is the something extra I was going to give you. Uh, but do just check out this album. It, it's really worthwhile. Great, great shredding work that you don't get in a lot of like, like speed metal that you don't get out of a lot of power metal. 
Like even a shredding that you don't necessarily get out of Dragon Force, which, you know, they're on a whole other level anyway. But Sasha Paith, so he did work on Camelot's uh, last album that came out, was that February 2018? That being The Shadow Theory. Now, I was really harsh on that album, on Camelot's latest album. I got to tell you, I want to take all of that back. While it didn't sit well, and I know I said this when I reviewed it, when I reviewed The Shadow Theory from Camelot. I said, it's like, maybe this is just something I have to listen to a few more times to really get. I recently, Ellen and I saw Camelot. In fact, Battle Beast opened up for them. Oh, fucking A, what a show. And they did a lot of new songs off of Shadow Theory on there. Camelot did. And I heard those songs live and I was like, what am I, like, these, these songs are great. And it was a tremendous concert. We'll do a review on Hard and Fast Podcast. I mean, it was dynamite. And so I just want to recant. (laughs) I want to take back everything I said about Shadow Theory because I think it's a solid album and really has some important messages lyrically, actually, to say, um, yeah, I love it, and and I appreciate Sasha Pace's work in it, and I feel like I hear a lot of shadow. what's in Shadow Theory. I hear that mastering work being done in Masters of Ceremony, Signs of Wings. So if you actually did like the new Camelot album, you're going to love this, because I feel like they, they kind of play off of each other. And having the female vocalist from Seven Spires, uh, she's, I think she's dynamite. Uh, she really, and very ballsy. I, I got to give Frontiers and and Sasha. I have to give them credit for taking a chance on a because because this gal can do you know uh, harmony as well as screamo for taking a chance on a very very little known singer you know out of Boston and giving her such a premier uh, release you know with, with Sasha Paith. So, and, and it works. It, it really, really works. Um, actually, when I saw Camelot, oh man, Lauren Hart from Once Human was doing a lot of the, the, the vocal, uh, the female vocal duties. Not all, but we'll save that conversation for the future. Uh, yeah, she is dynamite. I wouldn't have minded having her at the head of this, but, uh, but the gal they got from Seven Spires, phenomenal. So check out Sasha Pace, Masters of Ceremony, Signs of Wings. I think it just came out. It, 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 awesome, awesome little album. And that's going to be it for your Wednesday Q&A. Again, we will have probably, fuck, there might even be a triple load of Sovereign Tech coming out over the next few days. Uh, Just want to get in in all the episodes. Make sure you're getting, you know, even if you're not getting them always on time, which I'm going to shift that because we're going to shift the day of release. I want to make sure you're getting the same amount of Sovereign Tech. Okay, you got to get it, baby. And I, I love doing it. I love doing this show. There is no pod fade here. If anyone, I, some people have worries about that. And absolutely not. I'm going to be doing this forever. Don't you worry about that. So anyway, I'll wrap this Q&A up. Lots more content to come out throughout the month of September. And we will have that live stream. We will. I guarantee it. Because I got to try this. I'm, I'm very intrigued by the amount of features that Podbean has put into this platform. Uh, it's a far above and beyond anything Google has ever done. Uh, it really, really is. So I'm excited for this. Anyway, that's it for this Q&A. I will see all of you woo, on the other side. <laughs>